Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack, and today is our monthly Ask Austin Anything episode. So I have five great questions teed up for you. And as always, every single month, I source questions from all of you who listen to this podcast. I want to make sure that you get a personal response from me. So if you do have a question, shoot me a text. My number is below in the show notes. Again, it's 201-479-9511. Just give me the hashtag AAA, ask your question, and we'll be sure to feature it in one of these episodes. Now, before we get to these questions, it is Memorial Day in the US. So for all the people who are celebrating and have the day off, I hope you are unplugging. I hope you're resting. I hope you're getting outside. The weather's a little iffy here. Uh, It's weird because we've had basically summer weather for the past couple of weeks and then next week as well. But for this random three-day stretch, it's been a little funky, but we're making the most of it. So I hope you're unplugging. I hope you're taking some time to relax. If you are listening to this outside the US, I hope your week is off to an awesome start. So without further ado, let's dive into the questions. The first one comes from Nikhil, and it's a great one. He asks, what do you think is the metric for having successfully established a brand on LinkedIn? Now, this is a really interesting one because I see so many people chasing what I call vanity metrics and the wrong metrics, right? So I talk to a lot of aspiring content creators, if you will, and they're all out here Googling, you know, how do I make my LinkedIn posts go viral or how do I grow my following? Or they're watching videos about somebody who grew their following by 50,000 people in two months and they're trying to replicate that. And that puts you in a really bad position. That puts you in a really tough position. And it basically sets you up for failure because One, when people share that type of content, you don't have the context behind it. You don't know what went into getting those results. And a lot of times, if it seems a little too good to be true, it probably is. And when it comes to growing your brand, the long game is really what we're looking at. It's that slow build over time. And usually the first, I would say, six to eight months are really setting the foundation. So I'll tell you what I focused on. And that is specifically creating as many authentic and genuine connections with folks in my audience as I could. So when I started creating content on LinkedIn, instead of looking at the number of likes I got and comments and views outside of a tool to assess which topics to write about and what writing styles to use and how to test that. Instead of focusing on that as a measure of success, what I did was I tried to connect with each person who engaged with me in some capacity, right? So if somebody liked my post, if somebody commented on my post, if somebody sent me a connection request, not only would I try to engage with them, you know, through that connection request, through that comment by replying to it, but then I would message them and I would just thank them, you know, hey, I really appreciate you leaving this comment comment. I really appreciate you sending me a connection request. I'd love to learn a little bit more. You know, what about this post resonated with you? Or if you checked on my profile, what about that resonated with you? Or how's your job search going? And I would just ask these open-ended questions. And my goal was to get this person to share a little bit more about themselves and to create a bit of more of an authentic relationship. And what I found was that it is so much better to have a small, tight-knit community of followers at the beginning than it is to have a large group of people who just kind of flippantly hit the follow button or whatever it is. Because when you have those advocates, when you have those people evangelizing you and your content, 
that's really where that flywheel effect takes place. You know, these people are getting out there and they're commenting on other posts, you know, hey, you should go follow Austin Belsack because his content is amazing. Or, you know, their friends in real life are talking about trying to get a job and they say, oh, there's this guy on LinkedIn, right? And so they're constantly talking about you and promoting you, whereas somebody who just randomly hits the follow button for whatever reason, you know, if you did a a giveaway or some, some other gimmicky type of promo, they're not really as invested in you or your content. So for me, instead of trying to jack up my follower numbers, the biggest metric that I focused on was how many authentic connections could I create? And the more that grew, the more that my brand grew, and also the more that my following grew simply because of that flywheel effect. So to me, the biggest metric is the number of authentic connections that a person has. And as that number grows, that's when their brand really starts to grow and gain traction. Now, the next question here comes from Kate. So Kate wants to talk LinkedIn as well, but we're talking LinkedIn keywords. So she's asking if there are any resources I'd recommend for insights into the top consistent keywords that are used in recruiter searches and how to incorporate them into your profile. So this is a great question because most people don't realize that LinkedIn is essentially a search engine the same way that Google or Amazon or YouTube is, right? but it's for a specific audience. So it's the largest search engine for recruiters out there right now. And every single day, tens of thousands of recruiters show up on LinkedIn and they run these searches using the recruiter platform. So recruiter gives LinkedIn or gives the recruiters rather uh, a bit more depth to their searches. They can add in different keywords, they can add in different criteria and skills so they can really dial in to find that specific candidate. Now, the way that search engines work is somebody runs a search and then the search engine will you know, run its algorithm and basically serve up the result that they believe is most relevant. So if you search for Nike running shoes in Google, Nike running shoes should pop up at the top, right? If you search for a specific product on Amazon or a specific video on YouTube, those relevant videos will show up towards the top. So those are the results that the search engine thinks is most relevant and helpful to you. So the same happens with LinkedIn Recruiter. When a recruiter runs a search on LinkedIn, LinkedIn will give them a list of candidates that it believes is most relevant and qualified for those roles. So as is true with any search engine, if we have a bit of an understanding of how the algorithm works, we can actually play into it to increase our odds of showing up higher on that list. And all of the data shows us that the higher you show up, the more likely you are to get clicked on. And the more clicks you get, the more opportunities you'll see. So how do we know what keywords to use? How do we know how to optimize? Well, essentially what we need to do is reverse engineer the process. So what we're gonna do is start by using LinkedIn or another job board you could use Indeed or Google Jobs or anything else. What you're gonna do is basically look up job descriptions for roles that you want. So I want you to go search for roles as if you were going to apply for them. And then every time you come across a role that's interesting to you, I want you to copy the entire job description and I want you to paste it into a Word document or a Google document, just somewhere where you can house it. And I want you to rinse and repeat that process until you have 20 to 30 different job descriptions in there. So there's gonna be a lot of content and we're doing that on purpose. Next, what you're gonna do is take all that content, you're gonna copy all of it, the entire bulk of all 20 to 30 job descriptions. You're gonna copy that in one shot. And then you're either gonna go to wordcloud.com or resimatch.io, and you can specifically go to the job description scanner in Resimatch. What you're gonna do is you're gonna paste all of those job descriptions either into WordClouds or Resimatch, and you are going to run a scan. Now, what's gonna happen is the tools are going to look at all of the content that's in there, 
And then it's going to pull out the keywords that appear most frequently across all of these job descriptions. And these are the keywords that recruiters are going to be using to find candidates like you. So why are we doing this across 20 to 30 job descriptions? Well, LinkedIn is a catch-all. Unlike a resume, we can't personalize our LinkedIn for every single role we apply to, right? So we have to find the keywords that we can embed once that apply to all of the different types of roles and searches we might show up in. So by finding 20 to 30 job descriptions, we get a whole bunch of different keywords that we can then essentially bulk copy and paste. And that's what's going to be common across all of these roles, right? So that's why we're taking such a large sample size. If we see that these keywords are showing up across the vast majority of those 20 to 30 job descriptions, we can feel confident that they are the top keywords that people are using to find people who qualify for those jobs. So all you need to do then is look at the top five to 10 keywords that either Board Clouds or ResiMatch recommends, and you just need to weave those into your LinkedIn profile. So try to include them in your headline, not all five to 10, but maybe the top three, try to weave them into your about section uh, in the descriptions uh, in your work experience, you know, under each role, have a little description or some bullets about what you did, what you accomplished, weave those keywords in there. And then you especially want to make sure that they're woven into your skills and endorsement section, because that really boosts your rankings with the search algorithm. If you have a skill in your skills section and you have a decent number of endorsements for it, let's say 5, 10, 15 endorsements, that's really going to boost your chances of showing up higher for searches looking for somebody with that skill. So don't overlook that section. Now, if you weave all those keywords into your profile, you are going to be in really, really good shape. So that was an awesome question, Kate. Now, our next question is also a LinkedIn question. It comes from Sandeep. And this is one that I get a lot. So I'm really glad Sandeep asked this. So the question is, is it necessary to buy LinkedIn premium? Is LinkedIn premium really worth it? That's what we're all wondering, right? Because we get our 30 day trial and that then that eventually runs out. And what do we do at that point? Do we pay the, the dollars because it's pretty expensive or do we try and get by? So basically at a high level, my answer is that LinkedIn premium is not worth it. I found ways to work around every single aspect of the LinkedIn premium benefits, and you don't have to do a ton of work. It's actually pretty easy. So I don't really see the value in purchasing it. So let's talk through this a little bit. When we think about LinkedIn premium, there are essentially four types. So there's premium career, premium business, there's sales navigator, and there's recruiter. So most job seekers are probably not going to be using sales navigator or recruiter you don't need either of those, you'd probably be looking at premium career or premium business. And the main benefits there are that you essentially get more in-mails and higher profile view limits and more insights, right? So if we dive down into that, there are essentially four major benefits. So one are those in-mail messages. You know, you can send in-mails to people and you get more credits with the higher tiers of LinkedIn premium. The second benefit is that you get increased limits on profile viewing, but the limits still exist. So you can still max them out even if you're paying for premium. Number three is that you do get these topic specific tools and insights, right? So, you know, you get candidate comparison for job seekers, you get lead insights and sales navigator, etc. And then the fourth benefit is that you get unlimited access to LinkedIn learning and all the courses that are available through that platform. So let's look at the workarounds for each of these. Uh, With InMail, you know, the easiest workaround is to just use email, right? And we've actually created a free tool called MailScoop. So if you go to mailscoop.io, you put in your contacts name and their, their company's website, it'll give you their email and now you can email them instead of in-mailing them. And I know that LinkedIn says that in-mail has better response rates. My data personally has not shown that for the job search. So email is an easy workaround and is your best bet here. For profile limits, 
if you are searching for too many people, LinkedIn will limit your searches. So what you can do here is just create a dummy profile, just create like a dummy email address, a dummy name, spin up a brand new dummy profile, save the credentials, and just use that dummy profile to get a fresh set of searches. And between your initial profile, your normal profile and the dummy profile, you should be in great shape. Uh, You shouldn't run into that limit unless you're doing some crazy searching, in which case you can just create another dummy profile. For the tools and insights, I think this is the most legitimate case for LinkedIn Premium, but most of these are highly specific, right? A job seeker doesn't need sales navigator pre or recruiter is for recruiters, right? It's not really for job seekers. So I don't see the value for job seekers here. I potentially see it for other types of professionals, but this benefit, uh, which I think is has the best ROI if you are one of those specific use cases, it doesn't really apply to job seekers. And then finally, LinkedIn Learning. You know, they do have a ton of great courses, don't get me wrong, but there are just so many other ways to get this information for free. All of this stuff, you know, you can find in a YouTube video or you can go purchase a Udemy course one off for when they have, you know, one of their 13 annual sales where you can get courses for 10 bucks. If you're willing to just do a little bit of digging on the learning side of things, you're going to be able to find all this content and all this information on your own. So that top to bottom is basically my analysis and my workarounds. And therefore, I don't think that LinkedIn premium is worth it. Is it worth doing the 30 day trial? Absolutely. You might as well take, you know, the features, use them while you can. But then when you run out of the, that trial, when you hit the 30 day mark, you can go ahead and fall back on some of these workarounds. So moving away from LinkedIn now, we have another question from Andy. This is a fun one. So I definitely wanted to include it. But Andy's asking how I came up with the company name Cultivated Culture, right? Because it doesn't really have anything to do with jobs. Like what the heck does it does it even mean in general? So I think uh, this story is actually just a good lesson for how to approach creating something, whether it's a business or a project. So basically, I had the idea for Cultivated Culture uh, before I created anything, right? So I landed my job at Microsoft back in October 2015. And as soon as I started there, I had a number of people, uh, especially from college, reach out to me and say, you know, hey, Austin, I saw you're working at Microsoft. You know, I know you used to work in healthcare. And I remember back in college, you were a biology major. Like, how did you make this transition? How did you get in the door at Microsoft, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of people wanted advice. And after like the 20th person messaged me, I decided, you know, hey, there could be something here. So let me package all this information up into a blog post. And I had all of these ideas for the blog post. You know, I had, you know, I had the outline, I had the headers, I had, you know, specific ways I wanted to say things and specific tools I wanted to recommend. But the problem was in order to have the blog post, I needed to have a blog. And in order to have a blog, I needed a name because I needed to buy the domain and all that stuff. So I sat down and I started thinking of all the names that I possibly could. But if you've ever tried to start a side project before, ever tried to buy a domain name, uh, you know that a lot of the good ones are taken up pretty quickly, right? So the, the really obvious ones. So I had some good ideas, some cool ideas. A lot of them had already been purchased. And it basically got to be super frustrating because I had this list of names that I just didn't love. But I knew that it was holding me back from getting started. And the longer that I waited to begin writing this blog post, the less likely I was to do it. So I had a a list of about 15 names left at this point. So I took it to my wife, Lily, and I was like, which one of these do you like best? And she was like, this one. And I went and bought the domain name like literally a minute later. And that was Cultivated Culture. So there wasn't really a lot that went into the name here. And I think this is a great lesson for two reasons. One, you don't have to have a perfect name in order to have a successful website or business or brand, right? People come to know your brand for something else. And to be honest, 
If you think about some of the brands that are out there, some of them do have really weird names. And the brand name also like isn't the biggest part of the brand. It's not necessarily the thing we remember most. We tend to remember more the benefits and the feelings and the emotions we associate with the brand rather than rather than the name itself. So you can have a really goofy brand name. And if you're creating a positive experience and you're leaving somebody satisfied and you know feeling happy, the name's not going to matter. That feeling is going to matter more. So don't get caught up on the specific name. And then the second thing is, you know, if something is in the way of you getting started, just try to find a way to push through it. You know, it can seem really important, right? This is the name of my business, or this is, you know, so important for X, Y, and Z reason. But you really have to take a step back and ask yourself, you know, is this as important as I think it is? And what would happen if I just, you know, chose a solution and, and moved forward. And typically when I ask myself those questions and I take the solution, it usually ends up working out because I continue that momentum. I keep moving forward. So I'm really glad you asked that question, Andy. Thank you so much. And our last question here comes from Michelle. So Michelle asks, if you were diving into a side hustle right now today that wasn't related to anything you do, what would it be? Uh, so this is a super timely question. Uh, my wife and I uh, just got a new house and we just moved in. And I'm super excited because we've been living in apartments for, God, like, the last 12 plus years, I think a super long time. And we haven't had a backyard, we haven't had, you know, any of any of the stuff that comes with the house. So now we finally do have a backyard. And I'm so excited to start our own vegetable garden. Because as many of you may know, I love making my own hot sauce. I also love brewing my own beer, I think it'd be really fun to grow our own peppers and potentially our own hops, although that could get a little dicey with you know, our climate and everything. But all the other vegetables too, just being able to, you know, grow your own stuff and like watch it turn into something real that you can then eat. I think that's so cool. Um, and it's obviously, you know, super healthy and you can kind of control a lot of that. So I think we're a little late in the season now uh, to get started, given where we're at with the move and everything. But next year, uh, that is going to be the side hustle I'm diving into that has nothing to do with what I do right now. So thanks for asking, Michelle. But I hope for you all, if you do have some side projects or you have an idea, uh, I do hope that you take a step towards it and you don't let some of these barriers that may be in your head or, you know, the way that things, quote, should be done, LLC and buying business cards. I hope you don't let that get in the way. And I hope you take one step forward and one step closer towards that goal. So that's it for today. Thank you all again for tuning in to the Ask Austin Anything. I love doing these episodes. It's so great to be able to uh, see your questions. They're always awesome, but to answer them as well. So again, if you do have a question, shoot me a text. My number's in the show notes. Again, it's 201-479-9511. Uh, use the hashtag AAA when you text me. We'll grab it. We'll make sure to answer it in future episodes. But that's it for today. We'll see you on the next episode of the podcast.